Yes, praise be to God. Thank you for joining us for our study of the Bible. We hope you're safe. We hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. And uh, here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we have done 24 books of the Bible. And uh, if you've not been able to listen to all that we've done, I ask you to please check out our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network, or you can also find all the podcasts on podcast channels, all podcast channels, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, name it, you'll be able to find all the episodes we've done. And as you listen, I believe the Lord shall speak to you because that's what he does. He reveals his word to everybody who shows the need. The word of the Lord is new every morning and he will speak to you. He will reveal his word to you even as you read it, even as you listen because it's always new every morning. Today, we want to start on the book of Ezekiel and uh, we'll start with chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel, a very interesting book. Of course, Ezekiel is also in the period of captivity. Right now, we're still dealing with Judah in captivity. Much of the book that is left in the Old Testament will talk about them, prophets that existed at the time and personalities that existed during their time of captivity. And Ezekiel 1 starts by saying, Now it came about in the 30th year, of the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was at by the river Chiba, among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Now he's identifying himself that he's part of the exiles. He is in exile as Ezekiel himself. Psalms chapter 137 gives us a location of the exiles of Judah, where they were. And here it tells us generally that they were by the rivers of Babylon. When you check uh, Psalms chapter 137, it puts them in a location by the rivers of Babylon. Now, when it comes to Ezekiel's ministry, it's focusing on one specific community of these exiles that have come, and that is Tel Abib. And these people are located by the Cheba Canal or Cheba uh, River, like he is stating in the start of this book. Now, though you find that this experience of being deported from their own land, taken out of Jerusalem and uh, Judah as a whole, taken to Babylon, even some to other parts of the world in which Babylon had its own um, empire running, the, these exiles do not appear like they had so much economic hardship. Unlike their counterparts of the, of, of the north, that is the, the people of Israel, yeah, the ten tribes which eventually got lost out of this deportation yeah, and exile. But for these, they seem not to have got so much hard time yeah, for the people of Judah taken by uh, Babylon. When you check Daniel chapter 1, it will indicate that some of these Judeans or people who were taken into exile from Judah became distinguished people. Yeah, Some even rose to the top as far as reaching 
the Babylonian court. So you find people taken in this captivity had somewhat uh, and have a better life like than their counterparts of Israel that were taken into captivity. There are documents uh, that were discovered, written or aging at the point of the 5th century BC, and they are called Murashu Archive. Yeah, this suggests that the Jews quickly got involved in trade. They quickly got involved in banking, yeah, in lending, money lenders. They entered business, and within a couple of generations, this particular family with, which owns this archive, which is called the Marashu family, they became wealthy. They came as exiles, but then they became wealthy. And when we were studying the book of Jeremiah, we looked at the fact that the exiles seemed to have engaged in agriculture, and some even flourished so much that when Cyrus came after overthrowing the Babylonians, he asked them to go back to their land and some were reluctant. They're like, no, we cannot go anywhere because we have made a life for ourselves. So the life of exile of Judah was hard for some, but then for others also, they made a life out of it. You know, all hard times might demand something different from everybody else. There are people who prosper in hard times. Then there are people who also fall greatly and suffer greatly in hard time. That's the mixed situation in which we place the people of Judah right now who have gone into exile. Now, he is located at the Cheba River. Tel Abib, that's the place he is with his fellow uh, exilees, as we might call them. And uh, Ezekiel... At this point, says the heavens are opened and he saw the visions of God. He saw something that he had never seen before. He saw a revelation of God. And he is not somebody that has been spoken of yet. Yeah? We don't know him in the history that we've read so far. He just appears. And God is speaking to him. God is revealing himself to him. He sees visions of God. On the fifth of the month, in the fifth year of the king, Jehoiakim's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Cheba. And there the hand of the Lord came upon him. Of course, Jeconiah, is taken into exile. That is the group with which uh, Ezekiel also is taken into exile. He goes with that group. Yeah. And Ezekiel is identified mostly, precisely, as a priest. He's the son of Buzi. His vocational classification may not be doubted. And uh, probably this explains why he's part of the deportation that happens with Jeconiah. That is 597 BC. And he's taken with those people. The people that were taken at that time were royalty, were people of high class, were priests, yeah, were leaders of communities. Those that were taken with Jeconiah in that uh, exile group that was taken with Jeconiah, who was king then, yeah, when Nebuchadnezzar came to take them captive. So 
Since he's a priest, or since he's part of that group, we identify him. He's a priest. He was in the high class that was taken. And uh, though it might seem that he was not undertaking any priestly responsibilities before his exile, otherwise we could have known, but also it's possible that he was already doing uh, some work. And uh, he has, as you shall read and as we shall see, already being a priest or being in their class, he must be having uh, knowledge of the temple, knowledge of the layout, knowing about the the worship and how they were doing it, knowing also about the pagan cult forms that were in the land. He has the spiritual heritage of Israel practically and the Levitical priestly issues. He is well informed about that. And um, with what he witnessed, with what he sees going on, his heart is seriously considered to Israel as a group. And uh, we will look in, 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 as we keep going through this book about this man, and we'll get to know him, though right now he appears on the scene as a man that God is revealing himself to. There's much we shall see about him and how God even went to treat him, his wife who dies, and he tells him, don't mourn your wife. Yeah, we'll look into all that, but this is a preparation he was getting for a priest himself, Ezekiel. And now the hand of the Lord comes upon him during this time. The hand of the Lord comes to speak to him. The hand of the Lord can come upon you when it's time. And it doesn't matter if you have been already active or not. Ezekiel has not been on the scene, but God chooses him, says, I am going to speak through him. I am going to use him. There's nothing that can stop the hand of God. God can choose to use you. God can choose to take you up. God can choose to speak through you. And right now, this word of God is coming to Ezekiel. Not known, a priest. This hand of the Lord is coming upon him. And in verse 4, we see what he starts to see. Some of the things that we are going to read the things he sees are hard to comprehend. You may not understand them. And even pro- probably Ezekiel himself sees and describes, but he does not get it fully. Yeah, And as we see in future, this uh, vision that he sees might get clearer. But for him, at this point, is describing what he saw. It's practically what he saw. Yeah, And he says, as I looked, behold... A storm wind was coming from the north. A great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it. And in its midst, something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Within it, there were figures resembling four living beings. So, in this storm wind that is coming, that is looking at, within it, there are four living beings. There are figures that resemble four living beings, and this was their appearance. They had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. Yeah, Their legs were straight, and their feet were like a calf's hoof, and they gleamed like 
and they gleamed like burnished bronze under their wings. He goes on and tells us, under their wings, on their four sides were human hands. As for their faces and wings, and of the four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. And for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. That's why he's identifying them as living beings. Because when he sees the face of that of a man, but when he starts to see other features, then it gets tricky. Yeah, it's not like himself. It's not like a normal man. So, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right and the face of a bull on the left. And all four had the face of an eagle. So, you have faces of a man, probably at the front. Then, on the left, you have the face of a bull. On the right, you have a face of a lion. And then also there is a face of an ego. So, whatever he's looking at is not easy to look at if you got such a vision. I don't know how you would be when you wake up or when you got back to your senses and say, what have I just seen? That's what this man is seeing. And it appears this is the first time he's witnessing such things. Yeah, They should be confusing to him. Yeah, They are scary Things that he's saying. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another being. And two covering their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. Now, there is something that was driving their movement. And here we are told there was a spirit that... Where the spirit went or was about to go, these beings would also go. So they were not moving on their own uh, decision. They were led by a spirit that was determining their movement. Yeah, However great and mighty they look, however much they have four faces of a lion, of an eagle, of a bull, and of a man, however much they have wings, yeah, that are mighty, however much they appear in a great form, they were not deciding their, their, their direction. There was a spirit that was determining their movement. As Christians today, you and I, however great we might be, however much we might have achieved in this life, however much we might have studied and been crowned with all sorts of high degree, However much we might be wealthy and rich, however much we might have ministries that are blossoming and great, this is it. We are not moving by our own. We move by the direction of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who shows us the way. He is the one who speaks to us. He is the one that convicts us, that tells us of the things to come. That tells us of the way. He's that small, still small voice within me and you that tells you, do not say that. That still small voice within you that says, go on and help that person. That voice that says, do not go there. Now, we do not live by our own direction. The Spirit leads the way. 
The Spirit guides the direction, tells us about where to go and what we should do. And that's what's happening even for these mighty, mighty uh, images or living beings, sort of, that Ezekiel is saying. They do not determine their direction. Wherever the Spirit was to go, they would go. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright and lightning was flashing from the fire. And the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel on the earth besides the living beings for each of the four of them. The appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling burial, and all four of them had the same form, their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. Whenever they moved, they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. As for their rims, they were lofty and awesome, and the rims of all four of them were full of eyes around them. Now, what this man, Ezekiel, is seeing is not easy to behold. Yeah, And uh, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, there might be a resemblance or uh, something that might be alike to what he's seeing here with the these rims full of eyes, and it, uh, Revelation 4, 6 says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto Christo, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So, it somewhat could be related or similar when you see about the issue full of eyes that they're talking about here. Whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. And whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. That's one of the things that I enjoy mostly when you're reading about this vision. The direction yeah, that we are given here. The direction that however mighty they might be, they move by the spirit. And however much I might be having achieved, having done all that I've done, I do not forget to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God has been given to us. When Christ is living, he says, I will send you the helper. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes on that day to those disciples that are up in that room is a helper. And when he comes, he comes and dwells within them within you and he is there to direct you he is there to show you the way he's there to show you what to do we don't walk by our own power we don't walk by our own might we don't walk and do whatever we do in our own decision we follow the holy spirit and this is it, friends. The moment I learn to relate with the Holy Spirit, my life is forever changed. We might be there and say, I have no friends. I have no close person. 
there's nobody who hangs out with me. There's somebody. He's within you. The Holy Spirit. You can talk to him. You can have conversation. Did you know you can have conversation with him? And as you talk, remember he's a spirit of truth. He brings out the truth. With him, you're clear. And that's a relationship that we need to hold, to build with the Holy Spirit. These four creatures do nothing. Go nowhere unless it's the direction of the Holy Spirit. Where he leads me, I will go. What he tells me to do, I will do. And that's one thing that I need to know as a Christian, that I live my life by the direction of the Holy Spirit. He is within me. Is that still small voice in you that speaks the truth all the time? Always truthful. In him, there is no lies. Yeah? So, these beings, wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. And the wheels rose close behind them, for the Spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Yeah? The movement the direction, the spirit is in the wheel. So where the wheels go, the spirit has said we go. Yeah, wherever those went, these went. And whenever those stood still, these stood still. So there's a determinant in the wheels, the spirit of these beings. And whenever those rose from the earth, the wheels rose close behind, beside them. For the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. They, as mighty as they might look, had a guide. The wheels were making movement, but the spirit was in the wheels. Now, over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome glean of crystal, spread out over their heads. He's seeing something else now. Over them, there's an expanse and an awesome glint of crystal. Under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight toward the other. Each one also had two wings covering its body on the one side and on the other. I also had the sound of their wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Now, he's not just seeing, he's hearing. And these wings are creating sounds of armies, creating sounds of, of waters, as you're on a, on, on a water, on an ocean, or wherever it is, and you hear the sound of the waters, abundant waters, many waters, that is what they hear coming out of the wings of these beings. So this was great. And also, a sound of an army camp. This is battle, battlefield, wings that create voices of battles. These are great beings that Ezekiel is seeing right now. And the voices that come out, he hears like there's an army 
There's a camp of the army around. Yeah? And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Now, above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something, listen, resembling a throne, like a lapis lazuli in appearance. And on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. After he has seen all this glamour that comes with these living beings and the lightning, the fire, the thunder, the expanse and all the gleam uh, that is within it of crystal and whatever it looks like, eventually his eyes see that above it, above this expanse, above these beings, there is a throne. Something looking like a throne. And there's a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward something like glowing metal that looks like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire. And there was a radiance around him. The him here is given in a capital letter. He clearly witnesses the magnificence of God. Yeah? He's looking at the greatness of God. God has given him the grace to see that. We looked at uh, Moses asking to see God. Moses says, I'll pass by in appearance. You will see my glory, but you will not behold me fully. And it is by grace that God can reveal himself to you. It is by grace that God can reveal himself to us. And he has given us that grace. That you can get up every day, go and ask God and say, Lord, come. I want to see you. I want to know you. And he reveals himself. You may not have seen him in his full form. But some of you, some of us have had visions. Some of us have seen great things even in dreams. You might have such experiences like one, Ezekiel is talking here of the things you have seen. The images that Ezekiel sees. I wonder what happened to him when he got out of that vision. Was he shaking? Would he speak? What did he tell the fellow priests that were around him about what he has seen? How could he describe it? Could they comprehend it? By the time we struggle to comprehend, there is lots of commentary about these visions that have been made by all Bible scholars. And nobody can comprehend them that much because the glory that you see of the Lord cannot be put in words. Sometimes you just look and you wonder. You look and exult. You look and praise and say, that is beyond my human understanding. It is greatness at its peak, at the epitome. Greatness of God, and I exalt him, and I worship him. 
he is great because whatever Ezekiel saw was great. And right now, he's seeing above and beyond the expanse. And there's a throne and there's somebody on it. Verse 28, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. Indeed, he was seeing the glory of the Lord. Indeed, he was witnessing the greatness of the Lord. And Exodus chapter 24, verse 16, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Yeah, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of men. Whatever this man is seeing here, Ezekiel, is somewhat similar to what these people saw. Is somewhat similar to what Moses saw. The greatness the glory of God. And when you see it, you fall flat. You, he falls on his face. He cannot behold it any longer. May God help us see his glory. Because if we are still standing, still bragging, and still feeling the best and wisest of all, we need to see him because all that comes down in the presence of God. When we are in the presence of God and His glory appears, we become like nothing. We fall flat. We forget about our all, all achievements that we've had in life. Because before Him, everything comes down. Ezekiel falls flat on the face. And now the one seated on that throne starts to speak to him and brings words to him that start in chapter 2 as we shall see tomorrow. May we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for you love us and you care for us. Guide us. Show us your glory that we may partake of it and speak of your goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. We exhort you, give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.